Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm always glad when you are tuning in and listening to the show. And, you know, I have a, a speaker today that I think you're going to really, really enjoy. He's an author. He's also a lawyer. And what he has done, he's the founder and president of the Test the Shroud Foundation and is one of the leading authorities in the world of the Shroud of Turin. And he gave the keynote address at the international conference held in Italy in conjunction with the Shrouds exhibition in 2010. He's an attorney, that's very interesting, and he spent 30 years studying all aspects of the evidence that's related to this burial cloth. And he released his first book, The Resurrection of the Shroud, in 2000. So this particular project has received coverage from really high-profile outlets as the Chicago Sun-Times, the Dallas Morning News, Tulsa World News, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Trinity Broadcasting Network. I mean, he has just really been interviewed all over the place, Europe, South America, and many nationally uh, syndicated radio programs. So we are so excited to have him. He practices law and lives with his wife outside of St. Louis. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Well, this is really amazing, this stuff. I've always been encouraged, and I've always been very interested about this. And so I want to make sure, do I say it right? Is it Turin? Yes. Okay, perfect. So what, can you give us some background on yourself and maybe how long you've been looking into this? It's actually been 35 years now. I stumbled onto the subject um, in my early 30s as a uh, agnostic, and um, I I realized that uh, this the implications of this evidence was more important than than all the cases you could argue before the Supreme Court. Oh my goodness, that's so well said! Wow, so you're very passionate about this. Yes. I think if anyone knew it as well as I did, they would feel the same way. These are among the most ultimate issues of human history. Now, so you came into this as an agnostic, so you are now a religious man. Yes. yes. That's, it's amazing how God brings us to himself, isn't it? Yes. I think the evidence on this cloth unmistakably says the the events described uh, uh, comprising the passion, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection are, were real, actual events. And believe it or not, you could prove the occurrence of these events, including a miraculous radiating event um, with billions of items of evidence on the Shroud of Torah. All you have to do, there's already thousands of these items of evidence, but if you tested the shroud at the atomic and the molecular level, you would find billions of items of unfakeable evidence. 
So explain molecular level, this t- because for all of us non-scientific people, kind of give us a little bit of education on that. Well, the shroud and samples from the shroud have been examined non-destructively um, with every form of technology known. <coughs> Excuse me. But modern technology would allow you to, uh, first of all, the, the you have to understand that thousands of tests have been done on the Shroud of Turin. Okay. And all but one result is consistent with the Shroud being the burial garment of the historical Jesus Christ. But the thousands of items of evidence that I'm talking about also indicate that like I said, these events were real events that occurred. And it, it in all in one setting, it describes, it, it provides the evidence of when these events occurred, where they occurred, who they occurred to. But now you, you have evidence that you could prove a miraculous radiating event. So, so when you which, say radiating, what do you mean by radiating? Well, um the strongest force known to science is a strong nuclear force. That is the force that holds protons and neutrons together inside the nucleus of an atom. And, of course, a body has just an unlimited number of these atoms inside of them. Something happened to the dead, tortured, crucified body that was wrapped in this shroud that caused some of the neutrons within that body and the protons within that, all within the nucleus of a number of atoms to be released from that body. Now, it's a very small amount, a very, very small amount, and it's, 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 it's a quite low energy, but it's enough to create billions of radioactive atoms that can only occur as a result of neutrons being released in a stream of particles. That's another word for radiation. Um, and, and you could tell from the distribution and the amounts of these radioactive atoms what the source of this radiation was. And because these radioactive atoms are so unique, and they're created at known rates, you can even not only determine the source of the, of the radiation, but when this miraculous radiating event occurred. And if the location where this event occurred is still extant, these radioactive atoms would tell you where this event occurred. Uh, if you have a miraculous radiating event occurring to a multiply wounded person that the evidence indicated confirms the existing evidence that that the event occurs in the first century in Jesus's reputed burial tomb, you have more evidence for this event than than any other event in history. You you just don't have billions of items of evidence to to tell you where certain events occurred, and, and a miraculous event would, would be more of a specific identification 
you know, than anything I can think of. I think it's it's amazing that we have so much scientific evidence in so many different ways that are proving the existence of God, and now this is really being proved scientifically, the existence of Jesus and his resurrection. Yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's stunning and um, very sobering. Yes, because we, we now, people are going to have to really try to not believe in him. They are going to really, and how sad that would be that they are actually making a conscious choice with evidence to not believe. Well, the reason most people disregard the Shroud of Turin is because uh, for centuries it has been erroneously called a medieval forgery. Um, it was said this by a memor- in a memorandum by a uh, French uh, bishop hundreds of years ago, and everyone believed it. The shroud has only been comprehensively, scientifically examined on one occasion, and that was almost 40 years ago. And and they conclusively prove well, it, it's not a product of an artist. It was not painted as it was reputed, and. The only scientific evidence indicating it is not Jesus's is a, is a was a controversial radiocarbon dating performed in 1988. However, the types of neutrons that the evidence is indicating more and more and more that these evidence that these neutrons were released, neutrons will create radiocarbon atoms. Uh, one of which is carbon-14. You will you will get a different distribution of carbon-14 all over the cloth, disproving proving that every carbon date on the cloth would be erroneous. These neutrons will create carbon-14 atoms all over the cloth, making the cloth appear younger everywhere. You could, well, uh, every scientist... Uh, who knows anything about neutrons will agree that they would they would invalidate a carbon fourteen dating. So is the is the radiating the, the radiation of the neutrons is that what creates that impression? The the well neutrons and protons are within the nuclei of atoms. It's the protons that cause the image, and the neutrons have other effects. It 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 adds radioactive carbon-14 as well as two other radioactive atoms to the cloth. It probably causes the still red color of the shroud. Stop and think about it. If the shroud was from the Middle Ages or 2,000 years old, the blood would not still be red on the shroud. The blood on the shroud still has a reddish color. And when you expose it to sunlight, which is another word for ultraviolet light, the color of the blood appears even more red when you expose it to sunlight. That, that's, the, a, that's amazing. We have about one minute until we take a break. So it can cause this effect as well as other things. I, I, it's, it's quite astounding. And the fact that you're a lawyer and you, you now you've become a scientist about this. Well, listeners, I want to make sure that you uh, join us in the next segment because this is really some amazing things for the religious community. 
that is really proving the existence of Christ and his resurrection, there's more and more evidence that, that it makes it harder to not believe in the fact that Jesus really is who he said he was and rose again and has left evidence that is absolutely irrefutable. So our, our guest, if you're just tuning in, is Mark Antonacci. And he is the founder and president of the Test of the Shroud and one of the leading authorities in the world on the Shroud of Turin. And he has given keynote addresses internationally. And he has spent 35 years studying this. And the amount of evidence that he has is, is prolific. And so I want to make sure that you join us in the next segment with Mark Antonacci as we talk about this new, this, this true evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm your host, Cynthia Hyatt, and we have a very exciting guest today. Um, I want to make sure that if you are just tuning in, you can always listen to the shows in their entirety on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. It's also on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. So you can always listen to these shows if you're not being able to stay with us this entire hour. We have with us Mark Antonacci today, and he is a lawyer who has now been studying the science of the uh, Shroud of Turin. And all the evidence that we have now that proves that this is truly, the, the, the imprint on this shroud is truly evidence of the resurrection of Christ. And so, Mark, thank you so much again for joining us. And let, let the listeners know how to find this information. Um, the book Test the Shroud um, is available, first of all, on my website, testtheshroud.org. Um, it's also available in bookstores and on Amazon.com. And uh, if you order it off the website, I'll be happy to send you an inscribed copy as well. Um, it's it's about 500 pages long. My goodness, I can imagine it should be. It, it the, the evidence is that extensive and that consistent, and it does deal with the only test result that is inconsistent with its authenticity. Um, it deals extensively with all these questions. And you, you became a Christian because of this research. Yes, I did. I think that's truly amazing. And you, you are also having a conference coming up in October. Yes, the uh, Institute for uh, Theological Encounter with Science and Technology is uh, co-sponsoring with, with my foundation, Test the Shroud Foundation, a conference uh, in St. Louis on October 26th. But you can uh, listen to it. Um, it's going to be uh, available to watch uh, live as well as watch uh, afterward. Uh, but uh, there'll be uh, we're working out the details so that you can tune in and watch it on Skype, and uh, we'll also be posting it on our website and iTest's uh, website and other websites as well, where you can you can hear the, the full, a full discussion of the implications um, and the benefits of this, of conducting more testing on the shroud and what the results could mean to, to everyone throughout the world, to be honest with you. 
Well, it's very um, exciting for, you know, really intelligent people. I know my father was a, a scientist. And I don't know if you're familiar with Hugh Ross and Reasons to Believe. Yes, I am. Yes, and that is how my father really became spiritual. He always was a religious man. But it was because, you know, when science is irrefutable to scientific people, they are so willing to believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's very, it's fascinating that that in, in the 21st century, this is God is really, really pressing in and really revealing himself and making it very difficult not to believe in who he is. So so tell me what was so inspirational for you about doing this, this research. Well, I was lucky enough that uh, I stumbled upon an article about a book that was just coming out that contained a summary of the evidence that was acquired in the only comprehensive examination of the Shroud of Turin. That examination occurred in the fall of 1978, this was the fall of 1981. The evidence was just coming out. One of the co-authors was Gary Habermas, who's a, a well-known apologetic mm-hmm. writer, and um, it was and it was also spa, uh, co-written by a former spokesman for this scientific group when when they were investigating the shroud. And the gist of that book was that. The only explanation that can explain all of the findings that they were acquiring from the Shroud is the literal um, occurrence of the events that were long ago described in the Gospels. And, of course, the Gospels um, are um, the most attested and reliable sources in all of history, whether you want to look at the number of ancient manuscripts or how close they were written to the originals or their congruent translation in all the major languages of the day. Um, No other works compare with this. Their works are consistent with all archaeological findings, uh, all all the customs and the uh, descriptions, uh, of all the accounts, really, in the, in the New Testament. There's, there's really, you just would not have such a body of scientific and medical and archaeological evidence that corroborated the most detested sources in all of ancient history. You, you just, this is what was so stunning about this, and I couldn't, I couldn't drop the evidence. This was just a, uh, I had to keep continue and pursue it, and I had no idea that it would go on the rest of my life. But the evidence just keeps growing and growing and growing. And, and as far as I kept going into the work, more and more the evidence indicate there's some type of radiation involved. And as you went on, the evidence continued to indicate that the source of this radiation is is the multiply wounded man who had all of the same wounds inflicted upon him as as a as a human being and it just keeps growing and growing not only are the the body images unfakeable but the blood marks and i'm talking a lot of blood marks there's at least 130 or more uh, the man is bloodied from head to foot on front to back and and the wounds are, are all 
perfectly aligned, uniquely aligned on on the body image, the the there's a positive and a negative body image, as most viewers know. The positive image shows you exactly what the man would have looked like when he was laying in the tomb. And the blood marks are only aligned with the positive images, not the negative images. It's, it's as if a, a process involving light, but, but more, far more sophisticated than photography, occurred where you have an image two images, the frontal side and the back side of what this tortured victim looked like. It's, it's, it's just astounding. It's amazing to, that the shroud has not been lost in the last 2,000 years. So, so yeah. we're, gonna, we're coming to a break, and I think you know, I would really like it in the next segment if you talk about you know, where the shroud has been kept, who found it, how, it's, how it has been so well cared for so that it gets to this date in history and with all the science that we have, it's still here to be even tested. And so it's fascinating. So listeners, make sure that you join us in the next segment. We have Mark Antonacci with us, and his foundation is Test the Shroud Foundation, and he's one of the leading authorities in the world when it comes to the Shroud of Turin. And he has studied this for 35 years, and what's so fascinating is science is telling us this is absolutely irrefutable science and information that this really is the Jesus that we believe in. So join me in the next segment and make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I am Cynthia Hyatt. So glad you're joining me today. We have a really fascinating guest with us today. This is Mark Antonacci, and he is um, the founder and president of the Test of the Shroud Foundation. And he is one of the leading authorities in the world when it comes to the Shroud of Turin. He's actually a lawyer, but has become a scientist, and, and he has been studying this for 35 years. So, Mark, thank you. Welcome back, and I appreciate you um, being on the show today. You know, you and I were talking off air a little bit about how the shroud has been kept, where it's been kept, and, and how amazing that is and the condition of it. Yes, um, we were talking about the effects of neutrons uh, while we discussed that the protons cause the images, the neutrons um, uh, give, distribute radioactive atoms everywhere throughout the cloth and, and contribute to the red coloration of the blood for, for centuries. Another thing that neutrons do is that it, it actually affects the, the uh, non-crystalline structure of the linen and strengthens it, um, neutrons have the ability of breaking apart the non-crystalline uh, parts of, of linen, and, and these, these reform, and, and it has the effect of making these parts of the cloth stronger and, and more resistant to bacteria and fungi. These are one of the reasons why 
the cloth is in excellent condition, except for some damage that had occurred in 1532 during the fire. The cloth is is in excellent condition, much better shape than any medieval or ancient cloth that you ever saw. And so it stands it, the test of time. That's a, that's amazing. Yes, something else that particle radiation does, the protons, was the effects of radiation occur over time. Let me give you an analogy. If your mother or grandmother has a linen tablecloth for the dining room or a linen bedspread, it, it darkens or yellows as time goes on. It's originally white. Well, a newspaper, the cheapest form of uh, manufactured cellulose that I know of is newspaper. Leave it out on the porch, unfolded and flat, for a weekend, and come back on Monday morning, and you'll look at Friday's newspaper, and the outer couple of pages are more yellow or brown than the inside pages, which are more white. And this is the effect. That's all that the Shroud's image consists of. It's, it's the effects of, of radiation. This, in this case, it's very low-energy particle radiation or protons and other forms of, 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 of low-energy uh, radiation. Well, when this, this has an important historical note. This doesn't create an image immediately. When Peter and John run to the tomb on Easter morning, they would not have seen an image on the cloth had they bothered to unfold the whole. It, the shroud is 14 feet long, three and a half feet wide. But had they bothered to unfold it, they wouldn't have seen an image. There wouldn't have been any traces of this kind of image developing for a couple of decades. This is quite consistent with the history of described in the Bible. Many people think, well, if there's an image of Jesus on the Bible, they would have said something in the Gospels. And of course, they would have. There is no image, and they don't think people noticed an image on the shroud for at least a couple of decades. Now, there is some historical or semi-legendary accounts of an image going over to Edessa and being present at the time that a King Abgar, who reigns around uh, 50 to 57 A.D. in Edessa. And, but it's, it's a brief time in which Christianity um, is popular there. It, it soon reverts back to pagan times, and they believe they're not certain, but the cloth is hidden away in the city's walls. In the 6th century, these walls have to be rebuilt three times due to flooding. And then it's reported that this cloth, this miraculously encoded cloth, which, which is similar to the shroud in many, many respects. Well, I, you know, I have appears. to, for just a second, Mark, I have to take us to a break. I'm so fascinated that I'm, I'm having a hard time getting us, um, stopping us. So thank you again. And I'm going to have you in, in this last segment. So listeners, make sure you tune in to the last segment with Mark Antonacci uh, with his book, The Testing the Shroud. 
Make sure you also visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com to listen to the show in its entirety. And you can certainly hear it on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Always thankful that you are tuning in today. And I'm telling you, this show, if you needed any help with believing in Jesus, this information is quite astounding. I have with me today Mark Antonacci. He is the founder and president of Test the Shroud Foundation. And so, Mark, thank you again for being with us. And this is our last segment. So tell the listeners where they can get a hold of you, where they can purchase the book, and then bring us back into where we left off. Okay, the, the book, uh, Test the Shroud, uh, is available on our website, testtheshroud.org. It's also available in bookstores and on Amazon.com. Um, probably the best thing to do is just pick up where uh, the image of Edessa uh, is, is found and discovered in the 6th century. This is a cloth that is... It's said to be not made by the hand of man, not made by artist pigments, miraculously encoded by Christ himself. It has a long history of 600 years. It goes from the 6th to actually the 13th century. It has a documented history in Edessa. The same cloth then goes over to Constantinople, where it's known as the Mendelian. The... 14-foot-long, three-and-a-half-foot-wide shroud um, is said to be have been folded, um, much like you would a beach towel, where you would you would take the beach towel and you would uh, fold it in half and then fold it in half again. Um, the descriptions, the word tetradiplon is used. Uh, it means doubled in four. It's only used in connection with the image of Edessa and the Mandelian. Um, if you examine uh, the shroud, it has full locations at six of the seven places that a cloth that was folded in this manner would would be would have. Uh, the seventh location is is full of scorch marks and burn holes patches and water stains, and it's hard to tell uh, what kind of fault lines there are there, but that would be one more area of research. But the shroud, if this is the Shroud of Turin, it does have a plausible history. Now, you have to keep in mind there's many indications uh, that it has a first century origin, Um, and it has also been dated scientifically to the first century by other methods that are independent of the effects of neutrons, um, as a radiocarbon date is not independent of that. When I say radiocarbon date, it's another way of saying carbon-14, which, which is a radioactive atom that they measure. Um, <laughs> the, um, there's thorn plants from, uh, there's pollen from a thorn plant that grows only in Jerusalem and the surrounding area that's that's on the man in the shroud. Uh, there's 58 different pollens that have been identified on the shroud. Uh, the vast majority of these are found in Jerusalem and not in Europe, where the, where the shroud has been for the last 650 years. There are European pollens, 
but they're only about 20% of them. It's, it's, the it's amazing that it's been preserved this long. It's almost like Christ, anything he touches, he preserves. And, and the image is getting stronger, isn't it? it actually, um, it is, but uh, what you want to uh, prevent now is the background from continuing to age so that the, the, the body image aged faster. The effects of radiation will cause uh, linen to yellow or darken faster than nature will. And and it's like when you leave the newspaper out. The newspaper, the whole thing, if you look in a scrapbook uh, and look in articles from 50 years ago, the whole scrapbook will be yellow. But if you just looked at the newspaper that was yellowed by radiation, say, over a weekend, just the outer pages will yellow. What I'm trying to say is linen will yellow and darken over time, but something caused the body image to develop much faster than the off-image area. So now what they're doing is they keep the shroud in an atmospherically controlled um, container so that the background doesn't continue to age and perhaps catch up with the shroud. We don't know if the body image on the shroud will continue to darken over time or not, but there is that possibility. So I'll leave that up to the scientists. But right. Where, where is the shroud right now? It's in Turin, Italy. In 1982, it was willed to the Vatican by the, the private family that has had it for centuries. They became for a while, they were the royal family of Italy for about 75 years. Uh, upon the death of the last former king of Italy in 1982, he willed it to the Vatican on the condition that it stays in Turin. So it's kept in Turin, Italy, where it's been since for about the last 430 years. Now, now you've seen the shroud. What, did, what was the experience to actually look at it? Um, <laughs> you immediately think, this is different than anything else you've seen, and it's not a work of art, unlike its reputation. Um, you can see the red color of the blood marks, and if you cut yourself shaving in the morning or shaving your legs or whatever, you look, by the afternoon, that blood mark is no longer red. That blood starts turning dark or purple or scabby color uh, by actually in minutes, uh, let alone centuries, the blood on the shroud is still red. And only neutrons have been known to cause this. Uh, I'm not trying to say somebody else couldn't, couldn't demonstrate that some other agent would do this, but so far, only neutrons have been found. You know, ha- what, have you had a good experience as you've presented this, or have you had people you know, argue with you or, or be negative or, or critical of this? I mean, what, there, what's it been like for you to do this for 35 years? They're almost always positive. Okay. Uh, rarely once in a while, and I do allow questions from all kinds, once in a while you'll get some skepticism. Uh, the world is very skeptical of the shroud, but when people start looking at the evidence, they get a completely different view. Um, the trouble is, it's, there's so much evidence to grasp it's hard to keep people's attention. Well, because the science is, you know, if you're if you're not educated in that, it's hard to understand 
you know, all of the effects of radiation and how that happens. And so it is difficult, but, but it's, it's fascinating that it keeps getting stronger and that it has survived 2,000 years and that somehow God has kept it here yeah. to be here at this point. And he still reveals himself, and it's becoming, you know, Im- almost impossible to not believe in him, if you, unless you really don't want to believe. Yes, if you saw this evidence, the people who study the shroud, they may have differences over how the image was caused in that, but they just about all of them think this, this really is Jesus' burial garment, and this is not a fraud, and, and it could not occur by any natural or artistic means. And when I say that, I'm not only just referring to the body images, I'm talking about the 130 unique blood marks. These blood marks look on linen. Uh, They appear in the same shape and form in every respect as they would have looked on a body. Try, Try, this has never been done before. Try to transfer blood from a body onto cloth and keep that blood mark looking in the same appearance. Uh, that oh, it, that's that, right, because the blood would spread. Oh, if it was wet yes. and if it was dry, it would maybe leave a smudge. The blood marks on the shroud are coagulated. And and try to transfer, you know, jelly-like uh, coagulated blood marks into into linen. Especially and, linen. Yeah, and, and uh, these blood marks around the edges are not broken or smeared. It's, I've never seen anyone duplicate one blood mark successfully in linen and keep the uh, blood mark and the serum around the borders. And I mean, it's truly a perfect picture. So yeah. talk, talk about the level, I mean, the other miracle, really, of, of the death of, of Christ and the resurrection is the amount of damage to his body. It's incomprehensible what his body endured. He has been beaten. He's been crowned with a bunch of sharp pointed objects that fit over his entire head. He was viciously scourged and appears to have been a, a Roman flagrum. He, Which, explain that to the listeners. Um, uh, the man has at least a hundred scourge marks. Uh, most of them are on his shoulders and the back, but they go down to his lower back, the buttocks, the upper legs, the lower legs. The whip marks whip around into the front of a man. He's been viciously scourged. And, and explain what scourging is, because that's the one that just breaks my heart. Okay, it's, it's a whip with uh, little barbells of lead. Sometimes they were in the shape of bones at the end of, a, of the cords of a whip. They're, they're fairly short cords, and it, it appears that two people were whipping him because there's slightly different angles of, of the arm here. And um, <clears throat> one of these uh, executioners is probably taller than the other one. He's <clears throat> The man, is, uh, he has uh, uh, excoriated areas over his shoulders, uh, consistent with carrying a cross beam to the cross. Uh, the man could not break his fall. Uh, he's probably got his arms tied to this big wooden piece of object across his shoulders. He's got dirt on his nose 
and on his shins. There's scratches and cuts on his shins. He, he appears to, to have fallen. Um, he's got a post-mortem side wound, just like Jesus was attributed to. Um, the, there's blood and watery fluid that comes out of the body. Jesus is the only uh, crucifixion death in which uh, blood and water has escaped. Um, it's it's perfectly encoded. Uh, I don't want to get complicated, but you know what, Mark? It, it, I, you know you're not going to believe this. I only have two minutes left. Gosh, I know. <laughs> well, these blood marks couldn't be fake. There's 130 of them. They're in different sizes and shapes, and, and um, uh, it it you you would just have to read all the un, unfakeable evidence. Ninety. Ninety-five percent of the evidence is unfakeable, and the other five percent is highly implausible, and still um, uh, supported. Uh, yes, yes. I, I just think it's it's heartbreaking. I, I almost can get tearful even when I talk about this because it's so moving, and to think what he endured. And that he endured it for us. And, you know, you, you originally we were talking about you were an agnostic, and this caused you to truly be a believer. And now your passion has taken you doing this for 35 years. So tell us really quickly how to get a hold of all this information as well, and then we'll, we'll end our show today. Um, it took me 15 years to write this second book. It took me 19 years to write the first book. Uh, this evidence is relevant to anyone in the world who might die. Um, it, it's available um, on our website, testtheshroud.org. It's available in bookstores. It's available on Amazon. And um, uh, please read it. It's, it's, uh, it can be understood. Well, thank you. Thank you so so much, Mark, for being on the show today. And make sure, listeners, that you visit the website at www.testtheshroud.com, testtheshroudonline.com. And join us next week. Have a great week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay at any time at FaithTalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.